This lecture is brought to you by Knox Theological Seminary on iTunes U. Knox is a seminary in the tradition of the Reformation that exists to educate men and women to declare and demonstrate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that this teaching will be beneficial in your Christian life and ministry. At this point, I think it's clarifying to say that for Luther and Lutherans, um, this distinction of theology as being about the sinning human and the justifying God is a distinction from what had come before Luther in the tradition and what has continued to be the primary way of talking about the subject of theology as faith-seeking understanding. Um, this puts that in a different light um, because people would say that the problem, particularly with faith-seeking understanding, is that... Um, It doesn't always keep in mind particularly the historical nature of theological experience or of existence. Um, in other words, faith-seeking understanding isn't necessarily always rooted in the fact that we are those people who experience tentatio, that we are those people who are um, driven to despair. Um, so it, it can in some ways become unmoored from that and doesn't always necessarily do that. But for Luther, speaking about the subject of theology in this way is always a way of addressing the human who goes, to, goes toward the word in prayer, meditation, and deep affliction such that they are driven to that external word which gives them comfort. Um, so these two things are not in utter conflict, as it were, um, but it, there is a different angle towards the question. So if someone says the subject of theology is faith-seeking understanding, you know, we don't have to start turning over the tables and run out of the room. Um, but to define the subject of theology in this particular way as Luther does is a way of trying to keep it always shaped and aimed towards the person who is going to experience that agonizing struggle in daily life. Um, it's, it's a way of keeping it always relevant for the sinning human, in other words. Um, it keeps it focused on the crucified one. Yeah. Because if it's just faith-seeking understanding, Luther's language would take exception because there's a whole will of God that we mm -hmm. not only cannot but should not seek to understand. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we fly from that God to the crucified one. So yeah. we seek the understanding of Christ and Him crucified alone. Mm -hmm. um, the cross alone is our theology. So that's then the word to the God in the pew as well. It's, yeah. It's not the idle speculation of how many angels dance in the head of a pen, elasticism, which is coming out of, or you referenced yesterday the fascination in Barnes and Noble with books on the afterlife and all that. Like we we go to what we know. Um, we seek to understand only the aim. Yeah. And that's Jesus Christ. Yeah. The one who facilitates the dialogue between the sinning human from the justifying God to the sinning human. Yeah. And that that brings up a good distinction too uh, between Luther Luther's view of this and someone like Rudolf Bultmann, who was a good Lutheran, 
but he had this understanding of um, theology as verstehen, as, as understanding. Um, and and it, in this way, it would be some way unique to faith. It would be something, in a way, separate. Um, but for Luther, he would say, theology um, can't be understanding in, in something that is um, unique to faith, that stands before or outside of the gospel, which makes it possible to understand the gospel. Because it's the very nature of the gospel happening to you in the midst of oratio, meditatio, tentatio, um, which leads us to that revealed word. So faith can't be something outside of the very work of God happening on you in your receptive life. Um, so that, that I think that's a good point that you bring up, Gil. It's just that to do theology outside of God's revealed word to you um, is to remove just outside of theology itself yeah, and the very else. yeah the very bounds of our theological knowledge because we're dependent on nothing else than what God has revealed to us. As we talked about, I think on Tuesday, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's been revealed about God um, in creation and history but it doesn't do anything for you other than turn you in on yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's only in the revelation of God's righteousness in Jesus Christ that we are opened up to see who God is for us, to know who we are in in our sin, and only from that to look to creation or history or what it might be. Yeah, that's kind of what this whole time I was going to ask this kind of question. I think you just summarized it right there, but... Should not then all of our theologizing and speaking about, like, no matter what text of scripture Mm. we're interpreting or preaching, it has to be Christological. Like, it's an absolute, and to do it out, and to not have that interpretation or speaking of that text um, in the realm of how Christ relates to it, at least, Mm. if not how Christ is in it. is to just peer into the hidden God, you know, and try to, you know, so like a, like a basic reading of Genesis 1 without, you know, understanding it in light of, you know, kind of how Paul sees it there with mm. speaking light and all of that would be a, a false reading yeah. and a false teaching of it. <laughs> it, would be, it would be to lead to pe- people into, you know, the hidden God and not to the revealed God. Yeah. It would, it would be not giving God to the people as he has revealed himself. Um, and so you, you, would, you would leave God, you would leave people left in the, their assaulted state. Because, because I think in some of the things you, you were saying a minute ago could be very easily interpreted as we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, look for God in any other place than he has revealed himself to us. And mm-hmm. most people would hear that and go, yes, and amen, the Bible. And then they would just, you know. Mm-hmm. Ponder about God and Himself, so to speak, yeah. and just these random spots. and these random spots of Scripture with like almost no grounding in the person or Christ, and, yeah. you know, a theological interpretation of Scripture, and that's just and you do so. But I know what you're really saying is no, that's actually not the revealed God. <laughs> the Bible is not the revealed God. It's the Bible as interpreted through the person and work of Christ. 
Yeah. Okay. You know, all the, the canon of scripture we have, all of that is holy scripture. But what is scripture? It's that which promotes Christ. It's that which drives you and points you drives to Christ. Christ. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, to preach on Genesis 1 and not to get to Jesus, um, you're not doing your people any good in terms of keeping them alive from week to week. Um, and that, that really is the work of the sermon. You know, people don't need to, to be able to remember a sermon from three months ago necessarily. Um, it's not about necessarily the jokes or any other thing that happens in it. It's only, does this person leave feeling comforted by God's love, knowing that they are held and comforted and assured of God's love such that they can live? Like, I, think, I think that's it's the only thing that preaching has to do. Um, for people as they live their lives, and that's the thing is it, it's it's you know every Sunday it's coming back to say the same thing, just differently, using different texts, um, different imagery or illustrations, but yeah, it's nothing other than God is for you in Jesus Christ, and all of your sins are forgiven. Amen. Can I ask a question? Did Luther preach? on a weekly basis or daily basis. I, I know these guys preached a lot. Mm -hmm. Did they do it expositorily or no? Yeah, Luther was fairly heavily an expository okay. preacher. Um, and that's something we can't fully get into today, but um, asking how Luther's um, preaching fits with his theory of Long gospel is it's an interesting and sort of tricky question because if you read Luther's sermons, they don't always read as straightforward uh, law gospel sermons. Can you spend even a summary paragraph on that? Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. I my. That's like a big fat carrot. You just dangle that. Yeah. Yoinking it. My, uh, my head pastor is in the process of applying to do a PhD at Concordia in St. Louis. And he was, you know, he was interested in sort of homiletical issues and things. And this is the thing I said, this is what you should look at. Um, we as Lutherans now, when homiletics are taught, we say, you give people the law, it's discreet. You give people the gospel, it is a discreet thing. And then you stop. Um, and Luther would say that too. I mean, you, in, when we read about doing pastoral care, you discern, does this, people, does this person need to hear the law and how so? And then you do that work. And then you always give them the gospel. And that's it. You go around looking for terrified consciences to deliver from their terror. Um, when you read Luther's sermons, though, um, yeah, sometimes it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then it will just end on, now you need, now go and live uh, differently. Or um, just a just sheer application of the law. Um, so I, I, I'm, that's, that's the question for me. I haven't done enough work in Luther's sermons um, to see a sort of pattern to that or to know how he thought it fit in his context. 
Because I give Luther enough credit to say that he was smart enough to know what he was doing, um, but it just doesn't fit in the nice, neat pattern we have now. And for me, that's very much an open question. It is an open question. Um, and I think figuring out how and why Luther preached that way will be illuminating and per- perhaps helpful and even shaping you know, the way we think about preaching, but we don't have to do it the way he did. Um, it's not, and that's not even an issue of reading Luther against Luther. It's just saying we're not, we're not all good at doing you know, the same things. Um, perhaps Luther was much better at um, distinguishing and defining than he was in actually applying it and preaching. You know, maybe that's the case. I'm not saying it is, but perhaps. Um, so what you're saying is Luther was a terrible preacher. Yeah, take that back. God, God, God is the devil. You can lose your salvation. Luther was a terrible preacher. <laughs> Go forth that's and be well. my exam. Yeah. <laughs> Go forth and be well. Uh, that's re- I mean, that's a really... Because the more the law gospel paradigm is talked about, the more Luther is talked about, the more that will present itself to us because people will instinctively go back and go, okay, he's the, he's the grandfather, I'm gonna read his sermons, and mm-hmm. then be puzzled. Yeah. Um, and nobody's written about this yet? I haven't been able to yeah. find any good sources on it. That's why the I'm- sermons aren't readily available, probably for good reason. And they're in Luther's It's in work, Luther's works, yeah. Which are buried, you know, in the 55 volume American edition of Luther's works. I've had this five volume set of Luther's sermons that I bought from Christian book for 30 bucks, you know. But they're not, they're not out there very much. They are. And, and if, you, if you get into that, um, I think you'll see just a ton of really interesting exegetical work um, being done. Yeah. That's um, more what it is, isn't it? Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, and even someone, I don't know if you've heard the name. If you've heard the name James Nestigan, um, he's a, you know, a sort of top-notch, older Lutheran theologian now, but he says, if we are being faithful to the Lutheran tradition, the first thing we do when we get up in the pulpit is not you know, tell a joke or an illustration or something. It is, and the word of God here says, you know, blah, and we go through it. Um, so he's heavy, heavy, heavy expository um, in, in trying to do fidelity to the tradition um, I don't do it like that. Mm. But, you know, Luther's sermons do get referenced a decent amount by specialists um, because there is so much good stuff in them. But in discerning the shape of Luther's preaching, I feel like there's a lot of work to be done. There is. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, br- I bring this all up, again, not to say that Luther was a bad preacher. I'm sure he was a great preacher. Um, but the distance between us and him, um, and the fact that we don't always know sort of what was happening in the context. Like, we just have to be really careful in reading yeah. his sermons and not, um, yeah. not being the people who just judge him. I like that. This question, you know, I asked this before in classes and I haven't had a great, great answer. John didn't even answer. You know, the development of the sermon mm-hmm. per se as we know it and how it's come through over the the course of the tradition, um, that's far afield, but, you know, from Acts, you know, into the early fathers, and into and away from all the, you know, where we're going, through the Reformation and the Great Awakening. I think the sermon as we know it, through the awakenings, really, yeah. 
kind of what started to happen. Yeah. Stir people up to make decisions and that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, because it's almost always been just expository. Right. You look at the sermons yeah. and the Bible, it's expository. You look at the church fathers, it's expository. The reformers, it's expository. Um, before the reformers, it really wasn't sermon didn't have the central place for the people. Mm. Um, that's yeah. a really good thought though. Do you think it was like the Great Awakening that sermons started to become more like man-centric, you know, like shaping hearts and trying to get a response? Certainly in our evangelical context, I must say that so much of the way we conduct a worship service is beholden to the values forged in the first and second Great Awakenings. Yeah. It's just so hard to discern be before that what things were like, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I made a point a few days ago about how in a lot of ways preaching is just delivering truths. It's the two truths of the law and gospel. Um, and the concern there is to hedge against a, a kind of pietism which is only about inflaming the passions or the soul. Um, but of course, that's not to deny that telling those truths to people will have an affective um, result. Um, yeah, I mean, we've seen that. The conception of theology demands it. Yeah. Um, but it's just that slight distinction in what is, what is prized as, as um, uh -huh. the thing that the preacher is trying to do first. Yeah. Um, in terms of the role of the Great Awakenings and things like that in shaping preaching, that, yeah, that's, that's beyond me um, to a certain extent. But our preaching, except for maybe, you know, 50-minute long Presbyterian sermons. Um, yeah, easy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that looks more like uh, what it was before the Great Awakening. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I give, I give a 12-minute sermon on Sundays. And it's in the text, but it's not expository as such. Um, Jay and Harper will stand up like, I only have 16 things that I want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take note, he's an angry You're not, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy, huh? Take note. He's like, like look at him, he's going to can never. No tapene, guys. <laughs> Most of the good folk are in the Most of the good folk. So, theology is God's work on us. And academic theology or, or, or the study of theology is to do nothing other than to reflect on that work that we experience in our daily lives as those who are in the Word and for whom the Word is at work on us. And I think it's just that simple for Luther in a lot of ways. And that's, that's really all I have to say on the subject of theology in terms of getting stuff out there. These courses provide a glimpse into our academic programs. Knox students can take one-week or semester-length courses in person at our South Florida campus or choose to complete a degree entirely online. By bringing together academic excellence, a vibrant community of learning, and flexible scheduling, 
Knox offers today's students timeless truth through modern convenience. For more information about earning credit toward a master's degree, please visit our website at knoxseminary.edu.